0614-104-106. What's up? It is Ben Cullen here. Welcome to your Sports Fix for the week. Taichi Ko overcame final round nerves to become the first Hong Kong player to win an Asian Tour event at a Rainshorn World City Championship last weekend. Ko only turned professional in January, but held off New Zealand's Michael Hendry to win by two strokes at a soggy Hong Kong golf club and claim a place at this year's Open Championship. Organisers reduced the tournament to 54 holes overnight after heavy rain and lightning led to play being called off on Saturday. Being at home in front of everyone, having my parents here, it just means the world to me. I want to say thank you to everyone, Ko said. I can't put into words how grateful I am to have this opportunity. The fans gave me a lot of momentum. Thank you to Hong Kong, the 22-year-old said. This weekend is you know what. Well, I hope you do anyway. It is the Hong Kong Sevens. It is back for a second time in five months. And the city is even more hyped about it. For the first time ever, we will be hosting the Men's and Women's World Series under the same tournament. For the Hong Kong men's team, they will be up against France, Great Britain and Uruguay. For the Hong Kong women's team, they will face off against New Zealand, Canada and Great Britain. Have fun if you're heading along and my top Hong Kong player to watch out for is Max Denmark. Lewis Hamilton says it could take a long time before Mercedes can compete again with Red Bull. Mercedes have started a process of redesigning their car, having started a second consecutive season off the pace. But the seven-time champion said it's going to take us the rest of the year to potentially close the gap. His teammate George Russell added, I'm not going to say we are terribly optimistic. We recognise Red Bull are a second down the road at the moment. Red Bull have dominated the start of the season, taking two 1-2 finishes in the first two races and are clear favourites again this weekend at the Australian Grand Prix in Melbourne. Please welcome back F1 analyst Matthew Marsh to the show. And let, let's talk about Fernando Alonso. What are your comments on him in general? And then we can talk about the weekend. Extraordinary career. He's double world champion in 2005 and 06. You know, I can't even... How long ago is that? It was 16 well, It's almost years, 20 years. Yeah, it's almost yeah, 20, it's yeah. Just, he's won two world championships. But I think equally important in a way is he's lost three by a total of eight points. So if he'd scored eight more points between 2007 and 14, I think it is, he would be a five-time world champion. That, that's what he is. He's the calibre of a five-time world champion. Yeah? Turns 42 a little bit later this year. Hasn't lost any of... Well, he's obviously lost a little bit of his speed, I guess. But he's made up for that with this incredibly kind of calm behind the wheel. He knows where to put the car. He always did, but he knows even better now. He used to make little mistakes under pressure, and particularly in 2007 against Lewis Hamilton, who came in as a rookie and kind of, I don't want to say blew him away. Well, I do want to say blew him away. It's not fair to say blew him away, but I'm going to say it. And that caused Fernando to make errors. Um, it's terrific. We heard him on the radio in the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix, kind of managing the race from the car. And he does that often, you know, what's happening here? Okay, then let's do this, do that. Telling the team what to do, in, you know, in a good way. Listening to the team as well. So he's, he's experienced shows, but he hasn't lost the speed that often comes with experience. So I think he's terrific. The problem with Fernando has never been in the car. It's always been out of the car. He's been famous for being in the right car at the wrong time. And there have been difficult relationships around him. Whether he's the cause or not, you can debate, right? Um... So I think that's going to be interesting is is 
you know, he keeps getting the, you know, he was with Minardi for his first year. Then he went to Renault for four years, McLaren for a year, back to Renault for three, Ferrari for five, back to McLaren for four, <laughs> Renault for yeah. two, albeit called Alpine. Now he's with Aston Martin. He's changed around quite a lot, but he does get, he gets the gigs because he's good. Yeah. If he, if he can avoid falling into the trap, which I think he can fall into sometimes, of kind of thinking that he's the victim, the world's against him, that there's a conspiracy inside the team, he tends to surround himself with a little kind of team Alonso of other Spaniards. Nothing wrong with being Spanish, but I think that, you know, the problem there is if you if you surround yourself with, if you're in an echo chamber, yeah, yeah, they're against us, which did happen for sure at McLaren. And he needs to resist that because he's, He'll, he'll win if he resists it. You know, 100th career podium finish he had in Saudi. Only the sixth driver to achieve that. As I say, he should be a five-time world champion. He should win a Grand Prix or two this year. The car's capable. There will be a race when neither Red Bull is at the front for mechanical or other reasons, and Alonso should win. That's excited. Yeah. I think I answered both the questions in one go, right? <laughs> you sure. did. You did. Did you see that, uh, obviously, that he had lost his podium and then it got reinstated on the weekend, um, mm. that he'd replied to George Russell's tweet about George winning a trophy for the team? No. It's pretty funny. So G George posts a few photos. Um, you know, He basically says Alonso deserved the third, uh, but either way, I'm happy to win the, the team's first trophy uh, for the weekend and post a couple of photos and then... Obviously, after it got reinstated, but then Alonso replies to it with a selfie of himself saying, Hola, with then a trophy emoji. It's pretty funny. <laughs> it was yeah. it was, it was, was good from him. There's nothing better than Alonso in a good mood because he's such a great racing driver. And there's almost nothing worse than when he gets into that funk of thinking the world's against him because it's just destructive around on everything around him. Yeah, That's no doubt he was obviously delighted to actually get the podium reinstated, especially after yeah. it being this hundred. Well, Matthew, finally, what are your predictions for the season? What are you prepared to say? It doesn't have to be winning races or teams, could be the drivers that are perhaps the least reliable or most mm. crashes or surprises, anything that you're prepared to predict on. Yeah, well, as we established earlier on in our conversation, I'm not very good at predicting things about results, but I've got a few thoughts in mind. I've been thinking about this. I think we're going to realise this year that 23 races in a season is too many. Okay. We've had this ongoing growth in the number of races. There were supposed to be 24, believe it or not, races Yeah, no, year. I did know that, yeah. Yeah, and the Chinese Grand Prix in Shanghai was cancelled again. So 23, thank goodness. Because 23, we're going to find out. I mean, 22 is the most we've had before, I think. And it's, it's just exhausting. Imagine it, how exhausting it is for the people who work in the sport who travel to the races the mechanics and so on and some of them you know yes they they're now starting to have to cycle team members around because you just cannot have humans going to that many races and then being away from families or just being away from their homes their beds for yeah them. normality yeah and then and but some of the people are there every single race and that is i don't think that's sustainable and that, okay, that's one issue, but you can kind of cover that with money, if you know what I mean. You just hire more people, right? I think it's going to become eventually exhausting for the fans. And it won't be destructive to the sport. It'll just mean we've, we've reached peak in 21-22. And of course we did with the Lewis Hamilton-Max Verstappen battle for the 21 Absolutely. World Championship. The very positive effect of Netflix and all the other great things that Liberty Media has done with Formula One. You know, we're going to have three races in the USA this year. 
Austin, which has been around for a while, Miami in its second year, Las Vegas in its debut year. By the way, racing on a Saturday night in Las Vegas. This is terrific. So I think there's so many positive things. It's just going to be a little bit too much and people won't anymore watch every single race because they just, <laughs> it's the average working man or woman cannot. So I think that's one thing I'm going to say. I'm very interested in Joe Guan Yu, the driver from Shanghai in his second season now. He really did a good job last year. He sort of flies somewhat under the radar because the Alfa Romeo Sauber car he drives is an okay car, but it's kind of in the middle of the pack. And, you know, there's 10 teams. Each each team has two cars. So you can finish outside the top 10 just by being in just outside the top half, you know? Yeah. But he did a really good job with, with his teammate being Valtteri Bottas, who, if you remember, was Lewis Hamilton's teammate at Mercedes and is a race winner and pole position setter and all of those things. Joe was very infrequently overshadowed by Bottas in terms of speed. Valtteri is very good at getting points, getting the car home, and did beat him quite considerably in the points, but not because Joe made any significant mistakes or was just very, very solid and got better and better. So this mm. is the best we've ever seen of a driver, obviously from China. He's the first from China, but it's the, you know, the best Chinese driver we've ever seen anywhere in motorsport, I think, easily. And dare I say, as good as... I'm just thinking carefully as I say this. Any other driver from our region, including Japan, I think, I think he's really, really good. It's very, very unfortunate that there hasn't been a Chinese Grand Prix. There hasn't been a race at home in front mm. of his crowd because that would have driven a Formula One more interesting. Absolutely, yeah. You know, or maybe we'll see that, there, that hopefully Shanghai comes back on the calendar in 2024, and he's then a, you know, he's a. Finished article, Joe Guan Yu, and he gets to race in front of his home car. Anyway, I rate him very highly, so I'm, uh, my prediction is that we'll start to understand how good Joe Guan Yu is this year. Um, the other thing I'm going to talk about, may just the final thing is, a couple of teams might change hands this year. Um, you know, the Williams team, the family, you know, Frank Williams, Sir Frank, started the team back in the mid to late 1970s. It was sold a couple of years ago to a private equity firm, or at least that's what we see. There might be an owner behind it. I think it's been a really good investment because of the way Formula One has grown, but it might be at its kind of peak now, and I, I suspect we might see a new owner. There's, if there's a car company sniffing around, we know that Porsche wanted to be in Formula One. That would be the logical buy. It's ready to go, and it'll need... Like it. Yeah, and then we know that with the death of Dietrich Mateschitz, the founder of Red Bull... Um, and the man who created Red Bull Racing, he bought another team. The second team is now called Alpha Tauri. He passed away towards the end of last year. We could see the second team, Alpha Tauri, get sold at some point. Again, it would be an ideal buy for a motor manufacturer. Yeah. Honda are in Formula One now, just about with Red Bull and Alpha Tauri. They're not going to be in the future because Ford has come in as the engine partner from 2026. So, you know, you could see Honda maybe coming back into Formula One. So I think that could be something. So I've managed to completely avoid predicting anything that happens on track. <laughs> it's okay, mate. You, you, if, if, unlike most people, your thoughts are uh, entertaining in themselves. So, don't worry. Your, your your thoughts are welcomed, even though you give no no hard predictions. Yeah, there you go. Very good. Well, Matthew, as always, mate, thank you very much for joining us. Maybe we'll come back and, and revisit what you said at the end of the twenty three race season and and see how much came true. That'd be an interesting <laughs> interesting play. Okay. We can do that if I get a prize. As long as I get a prize for getting everything right, then I'll... You do get a prize. Yeah. I've not, I don't know what it is yet, but you will. <laughs> I get to talk to you again on the radio. How good is that? That's it. <laughs> Thank you, mate. And uh, yeah, good luck and enjoy the, the upcoming races, the ones you're attending or the ones you'll just be enjoying from wherever you may be. 
Yeah, thanks, Ben. It's always a pleasure to speak on RTHK, and I'm actually heading to Melbourne um, for the next race and really looking forward to seeing it with my own eyes what's actually happening in, in Formula 1. I think it's going to be an interesting season. If not the most competitive, I think it's going to be one of the most interesting for a while. Good man. We're looking forward to it. Cheers, buddy. Hong Kong, are you ready? This is the hottest ticket in the world right now. It is, without doubt, the hottest ticket in the world this week, and it is here in Hong Kong. The Hong Kong Sevens is my choice, obviously. Can Australia go back-to-back in the Men's Cup, or can Hong Kong cause an upset? How amazing would that be? Have a great weekend, all, and maybe I'll see you at the Sevens.